Well, you guys know we've been hosting quite a bit these last couple of weeks. My in-laws actually just left this morning. But a couple of weeks ago, my two sisters, Mindy and Lindsay, and my five nieces came to visit me from out of state and stayed for a few nights. And my nieces are at this like glorious age. I love these ages. They're between nine and 14. And so we were able to take them over to Rolling Hills Park, which is a local water park that's run by our parks department, for those of you who are outside the Ann Arbor area. And at this water park, they've got this large kids pool that most people just kind of like cut through it to get to the good water slides. And in a lot of that kids pool, the water is only just like a few inches deep. It's one of those that like slopes really gently down to like three foot deep. And so, of course, you know, we're walking through it to get to the good water slides. And as we're walking through those few inches of water, my nieces got inspired to start saying, that, you know, that they're walking on water because it definitely kind of looks like it. And so I'm just kind of watching them and delighting in them as they're they're doing this. And I'd actually written uh, the sermon already because I was I was anticipating having a heavy couple of weeks of hosting. And the sermon is about uh, Peter and Jesus walking on water. And it just kind of tickled me, especially to watch my nieces, because it reminded me of the enduring power of stories that are helpful to humans over the course of time. And I know that picture of Jesus has helped sustain me at various times in my life. Maybe you have found that as well. And I just thought, oh, how cool that these young kids already know that story. And it's already like such a powerful image that they are pulling that out and like playing with it a little bit. So we're going to read the text, but before we do, I just want to note that when this story about Jesus walking on water appears in the Bible, Jesus was in a really rough place emotionally, right? So he had recently lost his cousin, John the Baptist, who had been brutally murdered by the government. And Jesus had just hardly had even a second to process his grief over that because the crowds of people that were following him around and expecting him to teach. And so he had just learned that his cousin died. He turned around and he taught a huge crowd and he provided food for a crowd of what we're told was about 5,000 people. And then the story picks up here. And I'm going to start reading here in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. I'll put it into the, into the chat box so you can read along with me here. It says, and right away, Jesus made his students board the boat and go ahead of him to the opposite shore while well, he sent the crowds away. And once he'd sent the crowds away, he climbed up a high mountain to pray on his own. And when evening came, he was alone there. Now, the boat was already many stades away from the land. A stade is about 600 feet. And the boat was being pounded by the waves as the wind was against them. And during the fourth watch of the night, which is near dawn, it says Jesus came toward them walking on the sea. And when the students saw him walking on the sea, they were frantic and they were saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But right away, Jesus spoke to them saying, be brave. It's me. Don't be afraid. But Peter answered him by saying, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. And so Jesus said, come. And then Peter got out of the boat walked on the water and went toward Jesus. But seeing how powerful the wind was, he was frightened and he started to sink. And he shouted the words, Lord, save me. And right away, Jesus stretched out his hand, took hold of him and said to him, you with hardly any trust, why did you waver? 
And once they'd climbed up into the boat, the wind stopped, and those on the boat prostrated themselves before him, saying, Truly, you are God's son. Right, so most of us are probably familiar with this story, at least on a surface level. And as we start it, we see here that Jesus had been, you know, having to delay his alone time. And it's alone time that we know he sorely needed as he was in this space of grief. But while he was getting that alone time, his friends were having this very different experience than he was. Right, so they're out on the boat in the storm, and finally Jesus comes to them in the midst of it. Now, our English translation, it masks something unique about what Jesus says to them, but it's likely something that early readers of the Gospels would have noticed, right? particularly those from this Jewish background who are familiar with the Hebrew Bible. Okay, I'm going to put this back into the chat, this line. Jesus spoke to them saying, be brave. It's me. Don't be afraid. Right? So Jesus says to them in Greek, ego eimi. Right, so most translations say this in English as it is I or it's me. Right, that's the one that we have in our translation. I'm using the Rudin translation. But the actual words are the same words that the Jewish people believe God used to describe themselves to Moses. Right, the words behind that Hebrew name Yahweh, I am, in Greek, ego eimi. And to respond in this way, to those who were like battered in that boat, these battered students, Jesus, I think, affirmed something particular about himself in that moment, right? That just as the divine drew close to him when he was alone on the mountain, he's now embodying that same divine spirit for his own followers. And I think this tells us that God often comes to us in the places where our sufficiency fails. I'm going to copy that into the chat box because Something about that just rung true with me this week. God often comes to us in the places where our sufficiency fails. Right? Most of these fishermen or these disciples were fishermen by trade. Right? These, these weren't guys who didn't know how to handle a boat. They knew how to handle a boat. And being in a boat on the Sea of Galilee, like that was their place of expertise and stability. They'd likely fished that sea since childhood. But in this story, these fishermen who have spent their entire lives on this very body of water this night, they are confronting their own limitations to care for themselves with those same skills that they've honed, right? Because this storm is just too big. And in this place where their capacity fails them, that's where they need to encounter Jesus, this embodiment of the living God. And I think we can step back and ask ourselves, are there parts of our lives right now where we recognize the limitations of our own capacities and capabilities? And are we open to encountering this God who is love in those places where we feel like we lack control? And I know for me, there are definitely places that just feel like, ah, oh, the storm is just too big. And when larger systemic forces come along to challenge our senses of security and when these forces start to just batter our little boats with their crashing waves, just one after another, we're forced to reckon with our own fragility, right? with the limitations of our systems and of our own abilities. And we're invited to look for the divine coming in mysterious ways toward us where everything else is breaking down. Be brave, Jesus tells his followers. 
Ego Amy, be brave, I am. And Jesus's word of encouragement here, it lands in a very particular way in the heart of Peter, who responds unlike any of the other students who were there. Right? Peter gets brave in encountering Jesus. He actually feels drawn to join him in the place of impossibility of walking on the water. And he says, Lord, if it's you, order me to come to you on the water. Now, there are some people who see this request or interpret this request as like a skeptical challenge to Jesus, right? That Peter is like daring Jesus to prove that it's really him doing the impossible. But I, I actually read this a little bit differently. I read this request as a little more sincere than that, maybe even a little more audacious. Because in considering what Peter's doing here, I think it's it's helpful for us to reflect on some of the context of the world that Peter inhabited, right? So he, he's been called to become a disciple of Jesus. And this isn't a casual relationship, right? In ancient Israel, in Jesus's time, like to be invited to be a rabbi uh, or by a rabbi to be a disciple, it was something like, it was like getting a scholarship to Harvard, right? It, it meant something significant and it didn't happen to many people. Right? It meant that a rabbi saw something in you that was worth cultivating. And the rabbi was inviting you, like not just to come do some Torah lessons, but to like travel with him, to live alongside him, to follow him in an intimate way so that you wouldn't only just learn his approach to the Torah, to your sacred text, but you could become more like him. And this is what's happened to Peter and his friends. This strange rabbi has seen something in them, something that most of their peers couldn't see. And the very qualities that made them unique likely would have turned other rabbis away. Like those rabbis would no doubt have given their scholarships to like, you know, better students, not fishermen, but not Jesus of Nazareth. And so now this man who had just recently been known as Simon the Fisherman, he's in the midst of this like life reorientation and he's becoming Peter, the disciple of Jesus. And he's leaving the safety of the nets and the boats to learn the ways of this strange rabbi who is unlike any other teacher any of them have ever encountered before. And now in this moment, this teacher is standing outside the boat in the place that he, Peter, has always understood you can't go. Right? A fisherman knows like to walk outside the boat in the middle of a storm is like a self-destruct mission. But perhaps with this Jesus present, with this I am in his midst, inviting him to become like himself, what was once impossible and reckless and foolish might now be the place of like ultimate encounter with the divine. And so Jesus affirms Peter's request to join him with a simple invitation. He says, come. And with that, Peter steps outside the boat and he finds himself walking on the water and making his way toward Jesus. And in the last few weeks, I've been reflecting on this story and I've been just reflecting on the richness of this imagery. You know, even before I was with my nieces, even though that kind of solidified or got it churning again. And I noticed when a line along these lines appeared in the song that Susan wrote for our church, it was a song that she shared a couple of weeks ago, right? That we're walking on water. And truthfully, I think many of us, when we consider our journey of faith or what it means to engage spiritually, that we can connect with this moment of leaving the boat. Right? That some of us were brought up in churches where faith was understood to be like secure and certain 
And we were told that we had solid ground underneath us or this protective boat that we could ride in if we encountered choppy waters. Others of us might have found safety or security in our families or our education or some other system that help us make sense of the world. But eventually we find ourselves called out of the boat, right? Compelled by something beyond the safety of those vessels. And I think this doesn't just describe like a journey of faith, right? It's describing how we feel whenever the future sort of seems murky or scary or unknown, something I think we can all relate to at this moment in time. And I'm struck by the fragility that we can feel in moments where we're called to step out, where it no longer feels like that solid ground that we're on, where those things that we've always assumed we needed to make our way forward have been stripped away. And we move from certainty to ambiguity and from clarity to mystery. And that's destabilizing. And if we look too closely at those forces that we feel like are coming against us, or if we look too closely at our own lack of capacity, we might find ourselves like Peter just starting to sink. But we note in the story, like Peter doesn't drown, right? Something holds him up. He's connected to his rabbi, Jesus, and he's experiencing solidarity with the sacred. Right? He's experiencing solidarity with the sacred. And even when he starts to falter and when he's losing trust in himself and his ability to take this journey, all he had to do was cry out. And Jesus was present and ready to accompany him and to lend a hand and pull him out. And so with that, I. I'd like to move into our time of meditation. We often take a minute or two of either just silence or guided meditation. And this week, I'm going to invite us to just meditate on this phrase that Jesus says to his disciples in the midst of the storm. Be brave, it's me. Don't be afraid. And so if you'd like to, I invite you to just relax, sit up straight or find a place where you're standing or laying. Maybe take a couple of deep breaths on your own, just in your own time here, and feel the air just moving into the little corners and crannies of your body. Hold it in there and then just release some of the tension that you feel. Let me give you a couple of moments to do that. And as you continue your breathing, I just invite you that as you breathe in, maybe recite this, be brave, it's me. And on the out breath, don't be afraid. Be brave, it's me. Don't be afraid. Be brave, it's me. Don't be afraid. And we'll spend about a minute to a minute and a half doing this. And I would say that as you're breathing in and just kind of reciting the scripture as a mantra that you can just let your mind um, go wherever it needs to go and invite the divine spirit to meet you in that space. So I'll let you know when the time is up, but be brave. It's me. Don't be afraid.
Go ahead. So divine spirit of love, we ask that you would help make us brave in those spaces where we feel uncertain, where we feel scared, where we feel the lack of our own abilities and capacities. We ask that you would meet us where our sufficiency fails and that we would experience that solidarity with the sacred divine spirit, with the creator who is with us even when things feel unstable or shaky or like we can't see quite up and you know as far ahead as we would like to see we just ask that your spirit would be with us accompanying us on this journey and that we can take your hand whenever it is that we feel like we're starting to sink in your name we pray amen <laughs>